Uh, the goal is to build robots that allow us to do things on other planets. So when this planet becomes a great ball of fire, um, at least our robots are in another planet. Right. <laughs> so we can go serve our robot overlords on Mars. Exactly. If you can't beat them, join them, right? Right. That's that's my game. That's my end game. <laughs> Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this week we are joined by Beowulf from Team Alpha X, who is an analytical and highly entertaining StarCraft II caster and streamer. If you'd like to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can always buy a, us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash P-U-I-S-Bot. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Brett Lindley. How are you doing tonight, Brett? Ooh, I'm a colleague now. <laughs> you switched up the other part. See, see, I'm, I catch this stuff. I'm aware. I'm watching you. <laughs> I'll take that as you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, good. <laughs> and as uh, we said in the intro, we're really excited to have Beowulf here with us this evening. Beowulf, how are you doing tonight, man? Well, you know, apparently I'm, you know, important to something, at least enough to go on this podcast. So I'm, you know, I'm having a great day. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, yeah, for thanks sure. Thanks for having me. You are important. Right. Yeah, you're the you're the important one here. Uh, you're the get. You're the catch. Uh, <laughs> I'm just the colleague. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're here every day. I'm just here, you know, right. once. So, you know, I, I think they come here for you, and I just, well, I don't know. I'm just no, a funny voice. No, no, they do not come here for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all the famous people like you're saying. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so Beowulf, you are a, a, a StarCraft II caster and, and streamer. Um, have a, a relationship with with Alpha X. Would you say are you like on staff, or I don't know how the relationship works? Actually, the pro gaming scene is so nebulous with <laughs> the relationships that these teams have. Well, uh, if by on staff you mean on payroll, no, I'm not. Um, I do a lot of stuff for them. I actually, I. Used to you, uh, I know you've done uh, a podcast like this with Steadfast as well. I used to be on a team with him, and okay. then Alpha X came up to me and they said, "Hey, you're doing more of our stuff than you're doing Alpha X stuff, anyways. Why don't you just come on, uh, come on over to our side?" So really, it's a mutually beneficial thing. I do a lot of stuff for them. I generate content for their YouTube channel. I cover a lot of their stuff on like uh, Afrika TV, which Korean uh, streaming, the big Korean streaming service where they get sponsorship from. Yeah, uh, I do stuff on Trovo, which is this new Tencent sponsored thing. And uh, really, because on that one, Tencent gives price pools. So we do stuff there and whatever else. Um, and in exchange, uh, it, you know, I, I get paid occasionally for stuff uh, through them. I got onto the ESLB stream or one day uh, in the spring. It was going to be two, but scheduling uh, and you got some other stuff. So it's mutually beneficial. I, I don't know if I'm technically on staff, but I'm certainly a member of their organization. I got a nice jersey that I am not wearing tonight, but it exists. I promise. It's a podcast. You're totally wearing it. There we I go. See you wearing it. <laughs> Visualize it, you know. Right. Picture it in your head. So you were just casting, was it Team Exxon then that you were working with before with Steadfast? Yes. yes. Okay. So you were working with Exxon and then you just were casting a lot of the Alpha X games and they just kind of approached and said, hey, want to work with us instead? Yeah, it's actually kind of a funny story with that. So I used to be really into StarCraft. I mean, I guess technically I am now, but I used to be really into it like five years ago, right? 2015, 2016. And I, you know, I started casting a little bit back in the extended StarCraft League era, which no one probably remembers. That was a, it was this, it was, there was a semi-pro thing, but there was also a, a couple of pro uh, show matches they did. And I started doing stuff with that and proxy pylon. And then I went to go work up at a summer camp up in Maine. 
and I did not touch StarCraft for three months. I lost every single bit of skill I had at the game, and I came back, and I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to do. It sucks. I'm not doing it. Whatever. So I don't, and I'm like, look, I'm getting an airspace engineering degree. I probably shouldn't, you know, I don't have time for this anyways. So I don't touch the game for five years. Um, and then I get back to, due to COVID. I'm like, okay, Katowice, I am Katowice 2000, what is that, 2020 happens, and I'm like, wow, I this game is still awesome. I should get back into it. So I start getting back into it. I start playing again, and then like sometime in March, I think, I start uh, covering some small community stuff in one way, shape, or form. I'm actually not sure how this happened. Someone said, hey, this Beowulf guy, he casts stuff. Alpha X and Exxon were doing a clan war, and they needed someone. So I did that off of like no stream assets or anything, just like a black screen, and it was terrible. And they're like, oh, hey, this guy's actually, you know, maybe not terrible. Let's uh, let's reach out to him. And then Exxon got to me first, and then I ended up doing more stuff for Alpha X, and then they they brought me over after some discussion, and here I am. So, so yeah, and I, oh, sorry, Brett. I was no, just going to say, say that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so and you you just described it, so I apologize if I if this is something you literally just said, and I just didn't track it. But so, w whenever you did that that tournament, you were talking about with the black screen. Is that the first time you've cast anything, or had you cast things prior to that? No, so I'd been doing, well, if we talk about, you know, current Beowulf or current Philip versus, you know, five years ago, Philip, um, that was like the first professional thing I'd done since coming back. Okay. Because I'd been doing, you know, uh, Chobo Team League, which is, a, I think, maybe even Platinum through Masters now, uh, Team League, kind of based around pro, uh, pro League format, and Validity Team League, which is more GSTL style format, same kind of skill levels. I just from a team that I joined because I had old friends from back when I used to play more um, that were doing that. But again, back in like 2014, 2015 into 2016, um, I was doing Ascended StarCraft League. Uh, I did some late night stuff uh, with Tempo um, for like Korean show matches. I did some, uh, it, was, it was called the Proxy Pylon. Let me actually check. I have it. Uh, yeah, Proxy Tempest. Excuse me. Sorry. I I still I'm still in the Discord for it. it. The tournament folded like three years ago, but you know there it goes. Um, and doing stuff with that, did a couple of things with that, like in my college dorm room. Um, and I go back and because the vods are still there somewhere, I found them, and I go back and look at the vods. I'm like, man, this was what was I even doing? This is so bad. So yes, that uh that that one team kill or the one it was a show match between the two teams. That was the first thing I had done in any sort of like actually looking at. No, no. Yeah, close enough. Sure. We're going to call it that. Yeah, it was one of the first things I'd done since coming back at a pseudo professional level. Okay, cool. So you're, you know, coming just kind of getting almost somewhat thrust in back into the scene. Like you, you pick things up and suddenly you're kind of casting. Do you jump from that, uh, that kind of show match into like, does that spur you into a, a kind of a newfound love for it? And you decide to pick up stream gear and, and get it and launch, you know, try to take it more seriously for real. Or do you still kind of waver and coax your way back into it? Like, what's that story like? I've kind of been re. So, I mean, I, I you got to have an overlay, right? So I, I, I put something together, but with everything else, I mean, you can hear the microphone, you can see the microphone, but you know, the microphone and everything else. Um, that's been kind of slow reinvestments as I actually make money on things. Um, I, I, 
I'm not net. I'm not really net black in uh, in commentating right now. Not because I'm not making money off of it. I mean, ESL pays pretty nicely for what you're doing, but I've just been reinvesting everything back into it, into personal assets, into this microphone, into whatever. So I got very lucky in that rather quickly on into things. I want to say it was October of last year, uh, something like September, October, maybe November of last year. Um, I had done. Oh, I. No, yeah, I hadn't actually done anything with him at that point. Um, but Steadfast uh, reached out to me. He's like, hey, I've seen you're doing stuff. Um, you seem to have a good voice. You seem to understand the game, whatever. Um, I'm doing this uh, I'm doing this tournament series called the Corporate Esports Association, which is kind of a successor to the After Hours Gaming League, if anyone remembers that thing that Day9 used to run. And I go and he's like, look, it's going to be paid. Uh, we're going to have you do a tryout first. I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fair. And um, then it's going to be paid. And that's I've done two seasons of that thus far. And that's been um, really big and, you know, allowing to me to get a, a microphone. And I mean, the webcam I had from my last stint at it, but a microphone and an audio device and, you know, a stream deck, because I actually I really enjoy the tech, the technical side of it as much as I enjoy. Hey, let me talk about Starcraft. I don't know. I'm an engineering PhD student, but <laughs> maybe there's some correlation there. So, um, no, I, you know, no, engineering oh, student no. into tech, nah, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. So, like, I've written scripts to make my the player intros happen better and, you know, do all this stuff because that's also really fun to me. So, um, in answer to your question, I like, to really make a long answer to a short question, uh, it's more of having to stop myself from like getting everything because I really, you know, the, the tech is fun and being able to really up that production quality is a lot of fun. Um, but you know, I'm a PhD student. We don't make a lot of money, so right. <laughs> got to be measured I mean, a little bit. You have more willpower than than I do right now, because I being in the black is not something that I'm necessarily concerned about just yet. <laughs> I would love to be, but yeah, I like I like the toys and the fancy things. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to jump. Obviously, we talked about what you're doing now, but I want to jump back a bit to you know the beginning of, of gaming with you. Um, Brett and I were introduced to gaming through our dads and, and kind of grew up with it in our family. How were you introduced to gaming? Uh, when, when did you get into it first? Mini clips or armor games or something like that. I, uh, <laughs> I grew Newgrounds. up in the middle of nowhere. Sorry. Newgrounds. Was, yeah. Was, um, I, I, yeah. I was like down with armor games. I was hardcore <laughs> Newgrounds. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in rural Virginia. Uh, we had dial-up until I was 12 or 13, and then we had a, you know those uh, like those little mobile jetpacks that you could get like two gigabytes of data on, and it was a Wi-Fi network? Uh, we had that for a little bit, and then we got into satellite internet. So, uh, yeah, it, playing games was kind of by, by willpower to get, be able to play any of it. That and... Um, you know, when I was growing up, I was not allowed to, to even if I bought it with my own money, I was not allowed to go buy a, a console or anything like that. So finally, in seventh grade, I saved up enough of my own money off of allowance of doing whatever to buy a $450 Inspiron laptop. Like, great, I'm going to be able to play games now because, you know, I've seen stuff. Um, integrated graphics it couldn't do much. But what I could do is I could go to school and load up like a couple different games off of mini clips and a browser tabs where they'd get cached. And then I could go home and play them. So things like Adventure Quest, although Adventure Quest required you to be online, but um, yeah. you know, there, uh, I don't even remember uh, the, the games anymore. 
So I did that, and um, then you played Empire of Total War because I kind of run that. My brother was really into it. We could do kind of a pseudo land because, again, our internet's pretty terrible. Um, I didn't get into StarCraft until 2013, so right at the beginning of Heart of the Swarm, when I was finally... I mean, I was still, um, if I was, I was still like, I was like 15 or 16, but I was living during the week at my grandparents' house because I had a summer internship that was like 45 minutes away and they lived a lot closer and they'd, ha they had high speed internet, internet. So I'm like, oh, what's this Twitch thing I've heard about? This seems kind of cool. So I go and take a look at it. And that was right when WCS and it, in its most recent ish form was starting when you had, you know, WCS Europe and North America. And I got to see Scarlett's like her first big run. Right when she goes and uh, she beats Bomber in the WCS Global Finals on, I want to say with Star Station, like she's like Banelings in his base at 12 minutes, and it was just like, wow, this is insane. And um, then I started playing StarCraft, and I don't, and I really haven't played much else. Well, for a couple of years, I really didn't play anything else because you couldn't uh, on dial or on satellite. You had we had a data cap, and StarCraft's like 30 kilobytes, and everything else is like 100 megabytes to play a game. So. I had to get, I had to play it at 700 milliseconds ping. Uh, it's, it's, I, you know, I got to the edge of masters on it. I'm very proud of that. I didn't get better <laughs> once I didn't have ping, but you know, I, uh, I got there at the very least. Yeah. Well, oh, I was going to ask yeah, you. Impressive. Oh. No, I was, I'm so that's, sorry. That's Brett, please. <laughs> that is, well, that was going to lead me to the, the question actually is you are a master's level Zerg player and you kind of spoke to it, but how long did it take you to get to that point? Because I'll just be candid. Brett and I uh, have never left the metal leagues. So, um, <laughs> and that's even being generous because it's the low metal leagues that we're contained in. <laughs> I'm actually not sure. Uh, that's actually a really good question. So like uh, when I started, there was no, um, you didn't have, you know, diamond one, two, three, you had diamonds. Um, and I, when I first started, I was going up about one league a season. So, um what was it my junior year i think of high school uh like 2014 um i started playing something like that and i would i would go and check like rank for the win to see how uh how close i was to you know number one bronze so i could get into silver because you had no idea back then just kind of guesstimate based off of who you're playing and um i was going about up like one league a season which is what like a third of a year and i was you know and eventually it started to slow down a bit but by the time I was my freshman year in college, like three years, maybe two, three years, um, I was not in Masters because by that time I didn't have enough time to play to get the MMR. But um, I was routinely playing Masters players. It's actually kind of funny. And uh, maybe this has something to do with the fact why I didn't touch the game for five years after that. Spring break, my, my freshman year of college, I decided, you know what? I'm not doing anything for spring break. I'm like, I don't have any plans. I'm going to get some work done. I'm going to take this time and I'm finally going to break masters because I was playing like 30% masters players at that point. That's kind of a good tell. They're like, I'm really close. So I went and I decided I was going to make it masters. I was going to get that border. Um, I played 30 masters players like in a row. Do you know how many games I won? 30. Zero. <laughs> And so uh, I go do that, and then it's like final time immediately afterwards. I don't touch the game. I go off to me, and I don't touch the game for five years. So, but I was master's level. I was close enough, right? And then I get back into it, and uh, I start playing in March, I think. Late February, early mid-March, something like that. And I hit master's by, um, what, early June? So, I don't know. <laughs> 
seven to eight years, 10 years. I don't, I don't know what a good answer to that question is, but uh, one of those years, things were like 2023, but you know, like you, you, you have trouble beating like a level or a boss in a video game or something. You go to sleep, like you just get trashed like 10 times in a row. You go to bed, you come back, you beat it on your first try. Is that kind of how you feel like your master's <laughs> jump went? Well, I think just I longer a really, sleep. yeah, I have really long sleep. If that's, uh, that's, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe it's, you know, maybe I had time to lose some bad habits. Maybe the player base has gotten a lot worse. I don't know. Um, probably don't not that, that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't it know. Maybe I got really feel lucky. so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, so whenever you're 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 climbing uh, the 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 ranks, and I mean, albeit not overnight or something, but how are you improving? Are you watching replays of yourself? Do you use stuff like SC two replay stats? Like, what do you do to understand how you should improve? Uh, yes. Uh, so it's actually when I was first starting to play to learn the game, you know, 2013, 2014, uh, I saw someone say that, you know, the way to get good is not to practice micro, just get dialed down that macro. And I play Zerg. So arguably it's the most macro mechanic, macro focused race. Right. And that's how I was able to get to, you know, edge of masters on dial up or on satellite. You just you macro better than anyone else in your league and you set up surrounds and the, you don't have to micro because failings kill everything. You know, it's a surround. Um, so I did that and I really, I really just drilled my mechanics. Um, and I followed stuff too. So back when rapid fire injects was a thing, I had that set up and I was using that, you know, all the time, uh, because, you know, I followed the scene and it wasn't something everyone knew about. So that really helped, but I, I would just go into customs and I would max out and I would drill and I would max out and I would drill, but getting back into the game, I took a slightly different approach because, um, I had confidence that my mechanics, given enough practice, would come back to a level, and they did. Uh, it's like muscle memory, right? You, you do something enough, and you kind of have a rough idea of what you're doing. Uh, but I didn't know the game. Because I, I stopped, like, uh, very shortly after Le Legacy of the Void came out. So I did. I had no idea what the meta was. I didn't know opening. I didn't know anything. So I went, and I, you know, I went on, like, uh, Spawning Tool, and I watched a lot of Neuro and Panda Bear Me when he was streaming, which... He had a really awesome stream, but his internet's not great right now, I guess, so he doesn't do that. So I was going, I was watching these uh, high-level, you know, Zerg players, and I was just making notes of things and trying to figure things out. Then I would go play and, you know, take a look at things. And at that point, you're you're looking at uh, SCT replay stats. You're looking at uh, Salite, of course, which is the um, successor to uh, whatever the other, you know, offline replay, uh, replay parser was. I can't remember. The SCT gears. Um and doing all that and trying to figure out where I was making mistakes and, you know, realizing that I'm getting uh, supply blocked in the 30 overload like every time, uh, stuff like that. And watching pro interviews and Lambo and just doing everything I can to absorb the minutia of the game. Hey, Walker, do you know our podcast is almost big enough to start selling ads? Yeah, I had noticed that. So what do you think? Should we go mattress company, VPN, some mobile game? Uh, I was kind of thinking maybe coffee. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some good free trade local. No, no, no. Like Ko-Fi, like donations. Oh, oh, right. So so we we do ads for Ko-Fi and for coffee. I mean, I guess that could work. But I was thinking that people could support the show with really small donations about the cost of a cup of coffee. And then we could skip talking 
talking about mattress companies or mobile games and just keep all of that content out of the show, uh, they can just head over to our Ko-Fi page over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-I-S-Pod and contribute to us there. Oh, I get it. So you're saying even if our listeners donated a single dollar over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-I-S-Pod, it would go a long way towards funding the podcast. And in the future, we could even offer cool things like merch or rewards and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's definitely one way that we can pay our bills, keep our mics hot, and keep the show going. And if they can't donate, that's okay too. Let's just let them get back to enjoying the show. So you're in a position where you have worked up, you know, like like we said, we, we've gotten you to Masters now. Um, we've gotten some of uh, your pro scene information down. But one thing that we kind of haven't touched on is how exactly did you come about settling in on Zerg? Was it really just kind of uh, latency and ping issue you needed somebody to macro with do you like just like alien bugs like where's it come well, from it's actually kind of funny so i as i think every starcraft player does i i played through the campaign uh i think even yeah the wings of liberty campaign I'm like ah Terran, okay and i jump into an unranked game uh or ranked game I, no i think it was probably unranked and i go and it's on um Oh, what was that? The map where Stefano goes and he blows up the entirety of uh, 4GG's army with Widowmine, with his own Widowmines. Uh, Neo Planet S, I think. Um, and I go in there and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm just like turtling on a base and a half or something. And I'm like doing whatever. And it's like 15 minutes into the game, which, you know, is like 10, 8, 10, 10 minutes. And like I said, the void time, something like that. And I just have this enemy surrogate. He just rolls banelings into things. And I'm like, I don't, how do I even deal with this? I have like 10 Marines. <laughs> um, and I'm like, oh, that race seems really broken. Let me play it. And I go play mm. it. And I guess the rest was history. It, it mashed with what I wanted to do. I've never, Roll I've never really focused things. on the micro things. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, and we're just jumping all over the place here. That's how the show goes. Um, you mentioned that you're studying engineering. And, and if I'm not mistaken, which I am often, so <laughs> forgive me in advance. Um, but one time when we were on, because you've 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 joined in on the steadfast streams, the weekly tournament that we host with Team Exxon, yeah. which is now Psystorm, I guess. And I don't know yes. when that's official, but <laughs> Exxon branding is still around in some places. But anyway, um, and you mentioned robotics. Is that is that specifically yes. what you're what you're studying? Well, the man takes notes. I uh, I need to be more careful when I, when I what I talk about on a stream. <laughs> yes, yes, it is robotics. Um, uh, particularly field robot or Arctic robotics is kind of well. Right now, I'm interning uh, at a at a company, but uh, yes, it's it's Arctic robotics. Uh, my lab has some history in that. Um, it's actually really cool. So my my uh, advisor, right, my PhD advisor. Um, you call it a PI. You call it like. You tend to refer to them as a PI because they're the primary investigator in a grant. And um, that has nothing to do with whether you're the PhD student, but just, you know, the vernacular. Um, she has been the interim dean of my universe, of my college for the uh, last couple of years. She just stopped beginning of 2020. So that meant she wasn't applying for grants, which meant there's not a lot of fun, uh, lot, not a lot of funding in the lab at the moment. So we're working on you know applying for different uh funding opportunities at the moment which is pretty cool because the lab is a lot smaller than it used to be so it's just me and one other uh, phd student who's about my uh about my progression so i have this really cool opportunity to make the lab what i want it to be uh generally because you'd come into a grant that's your job and you do four years and whatever uh, but because we have this opportunity to go on in there and define the grants we wanted to pursue um 
that's really cool. So we're working on uh, developing a plan for a robot that will measure the spatial. Um, what's the word? I, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, you, you think I would know this? Um, the spatial uh, distribution of snow thickness over Arctic ice. Okay. Because apparently snow is a really good way to approximate the uh, the thermal properties of the ice, uh, how cold it is, how it's going to conduct. Uh, heat, all those things, which are really useful for climate science. Hmm. So we're working on something like that. Who knows uh, how long? Where? Well, a, we're working on an idea. B, we're trying to figure out where we would actually submit the grant to. So that's uh, that's kind of what I'm working on at the moment. It's, it's pretty exciting, actually. So maybe someday you save the world from becoming a ball of fire with sweet Arctic robots. Is that what I'm understanding from this conversation? Well, actually, the goal, and I applied <laughs> to this this lab because uh, I like. I'm really into space robotics and Arctic robotics is like really close. So, and uh, my PI also has a lot of experience with NASA. Uh, the goal is to build robots that allow us to do things on other planets. So when this planet becomes a great ball of fire, um, at least our robots are in another planet. Right. <laughs> so we can go serve our robot overlords on Mars. Exactly. If you can't beat them, yeah. join them, right? Right. That's, that's my game. That's my end game. <laughs> so you're more interested in creating SCVs then yes is what i'm um, okay yeah. <laughs> or, my, or maybe have that engineering you know <laughs> exactly um, my friends would say that i'm just getting a phd in robotics so i can better commune with my people um <laughs> that's I, awesome I'd be right there with you <laughs> well that's super cool so um so you cast a fair amount of sc2 are you uh are you also like consuming sc2 on a regular basis either through other people's casts or of course you still continue to play at least some here and there um but do you still engage with the game outside of kind of your uh sc2 job so to speak no i hate the game i, I don't no. even know what i'm doing <laughs> no I'm, i have a, i have a problem it's called starcraft um I don't play as much as I would like to right now because uh, balancing a PhD casting uh, and well, an internship this summer means it's like I, you, you can play the game, uh, you can cast it and you can pursue a PhD. So I'm kind of taking those latter two uh, as much as I, I, and I, I can't play quite as much as I would like. You know, there's only so many hours in a day and, you know, we need to eat and live and do whatever. But yeah, I almost always have uh if there's a big tournament going on, that's absolutely on my second screen. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, I got Steadfast up. I have Wordy up. I have Rotterdam up. I have something up if I'm not actively producing my own content. So, yes, I have a problem. Uh, but also, it's I consider it part of the, the StarCraft job, right? Because uh, as a commentator, I kind of slot myself in in this very analytical role. Um you know, I could be funny, I think. Maybe no one else agrees, but I think I can be funny. But it's much uh, so, you know, there's a little color there. But it's much more of the, yeah, let's drill into why this is happening here. Let's 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 really analyze this game as it happens. Uh, and in, in order to do that, I need to be up to date with what the meta is. I need to be up to date with what the builds are, what's happening, um, you know, what the pros are doing, how how everyone is looking at the game. So I, you know, I'm not, you know, regurgitating analysis from three months ago that's no longer accurate. You know, like for example, uh, when Trap won his first two tournaments, he was doing this build with it that it was Warpgate into Stargate, which was really cool because no one did that, right? If, if you're going Stargate openers, it's always going to be uh, Stargate into Warpgate, right? You get that Oracle faster. And then Trap started doing this and everyone started doing this, but now, and 
that was the analysis. Okay, this is this cool new build. But now everyone but Trap is doing Warpgate into, or is doing Stargate into Warpgate again. Everyone but Trap, and he, you know, he's winning tournaments. So it's really interesting there, but, you know, you have to be up to date on things. He, he, you know, if I was just relying on things from three months ago, well, how dumb do I look, right? Yeah, is there, I mean, the, the meta in StarCraft is obviously ever-changing. Um, is there a, a meta from a point in time that's like your favorite meta or... Even if, and I don't even mean, it doesn't have to be within the last year. I mean, even if it's from when you started way back when. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Heart of the Swarm Ling Mei Muta is by far, I mean, that is the, like the gold standard of StarCraft, right? At least as far as anyone can tell. I mean, yes, ZVT is great now. Ling Bane Muta versus Bio is great now. But 4M versus uh, Ling Bane Muta Starcraft, or in Heart of the Swarm has given us some of the greatest games of all time. Um, and the corollary to that, actually, you want to talk about um you know well that's the best what what's maybe not quite as great uh when they got when they kind of effectively removed swarm hosts from the uh the game at the end of heart of the swarm and then you had innovation playing a mech that literally made Beal cry um you know as a zerg <laughs> player that also made me cry so i don't like that and i'm really glad we're gone from the days and this is just more of a that's not a balanced adjustment but this is just a meta adjustment where we're really seem to be gone for the most part from the days of we're going to open Stargate into double Stargate, 353 third base, six void rays, and it's going to be a queen walk all in one way or the other. And the game's going to end by 10 minutes, even if the game goes for 20. It was just super binary. And I'm so glad that players have started to adapt to that. And the games are getting a little bit more dynamic in that matchup again, because you can only talk about six void rays so many times before you just want to like, you know, talk about your wall it's more it's more interesting <laughs> one final meta question why is Terran always unfair and unbalanced your thoughts um well and why does it Terran's start with not mech is. no <laughs> uh well it, it's strictly because you know Terran uh by far are the most um a vocal race about uh, whether balance is good or not. You know, you go on Reddit, you always see some Terran complaining about how Protoss is imbalanced and Zerg is imbalanced. So, you know, the uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So very clearly, because Terran players complain more on Reddit, they get more favorable balance patches. Therefore, it's imbalanced. And I'm, you know, I didn't say that. I'm not going to, I'm going to get hate for that one. <laughs> oh, I'll back you up. We're trying to get special on the podcast. As oh, well. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> got to get innovation on there when he's like stomping the world he's like yes i think zerg is imbalanced it shouldn't it, it's you know far broken no one should ever play it like this is ridiculous meanwhile he's gotten like 4-0 in the finals and you're like innovate what, what, excuse me what are you doing here that's funny so speaking of a few of a few of the top players out there uh let's put you on the spot a little bit including past or present uh if you could cast a match between any two starcraft players uh what would your picks be now, are we talking about specific games that have happened, or are we talking just like you put two no, players like in it could be a few, like if like Abe Lincoln versus Sarah, like there's <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> like no question if it's that's the former Scarlet Bomber game three Red Bull Battlegrounds, uh, New York, right? Greatest game of all time, bar none. But, um, if we're talking about see, my my answer cannot be complete because I didn't see any of Wings of Liberty, I, I was not there, I you know, I don't have the context, um. But honestly, uh, I think the, my answer is going to be a lot of people's answers. It's going to be Maru at his I'm winning four GSLs in a row versus Serral. I'm winning every tournament in BlizzCon. 
that matchup we never got. And yes, we got Cyril versus Mario after that. That was either Cyril on a downswing or Mario on a downswing. And it was not in the most important tournaments. And it just wasn't good. But I want to go back in time and get these two players who at the as really is the greatest terror, the, the greatest hot streak a Terran and a Zerg have ever had. And I want to see those two players match up in a best of seven, a best get me a best of, you know, I don't know, 63 or something. Um, because I, that 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 would be special. Not so, the player. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Um I mean you obviously are very, very enthusiastic about StarCraft. Um, so clearly there is no there is no boredom to it with you. But you know, the, our show here is not specifically a StarCraft show, despite all of the StarCraft casters and yeah. gamers and stuff we've had on. Um, but so I'm, I'm curious, can you can you talk about, you know, you started playing StarCraft in 2013, played, casted on a more amateur level, took a big break, came back, and, and now fully thrown yourself into it. I mean, to, to spend as much time as you do with StarCraft while pursuing a PhD speaks to how much it resonates with you, right? Because most people I know that have pursued PhDs don't do anything else <laughs> while they're doing that, certainly not to the level that you do. Um, how does StarCraft stay fresh for you? How does it stay interesting after all of this time and all the thousands of matches you've watched? I mean, it's StarCraft at its best is beautiful, right? There is... People talk about the immortal game. Uh, immortal games and chess, right? I, I'm not a big chess guy, I, but I can't appreciate it. And that's kind of interesting when you talk about commentary. There's a lot of terms that go back and forth. But um, people talk about these immortal games, right? These things that, the, these games that play like no one has ever seen, they are like the hallmarks of the thing. And we get those often enough in StarCraft that it just reignites things. I mean, we talked about Scarlet Bomber, but... There, I, I especially as a commentator, there I get to see those games happening live in front of me. Try to figure out what's happening and just get even more excited uh, than a viewer. Um, for example, and they're not even the big games. For example, uh, I did a ESL Open Cup North America uh, two months ago, three months ago at this point, and it was Prince versus Nina. Prince was up two zero. They go to game three on Juggernaut, uh, Juggernauta, and it's a twenty minute base trade. It's a 30-minute game, 20 minutes of it's a base trade. It's the greatest game I've seen in Legacy of the Void. No one else watched it. We put it up on YouTube. 500 people saw it. Um, because it's Prince versus Zena, right? That's not a big name. And I got to experience that with Steadfast Steadf Avenue co-commentating on that one. And I got to experience that little bit of glory with, I don't know, 200 other people, whoever was watching live, however many people saw it afterwards. And no one else is ever going to watch it. So I get that, you know, that that little hint at, hint at the glory, right? Um, but also it's kind of funny. And I was, I've actually been talking about this to a couple other people. Um, there is this special energy that you get when you're actually the commentator, right? When you're not just a fan. Um, the most recent, most recently I've heard it in someone who's not me was um, uh, Nigma versus IG in the, in the um, decider match in the tiebreaker match of the most recent Dota major for the, uh, for the round Robin wildcard bracket. And something happened and Kyle just start, you hear him like internally freaking out because of how cool it was and how the storylines matched up, right? It's just this uh, almost feverish energy that you get where you're like, man, I, I not only is this so cool to this move happen, you know, bird banes, um, school flank, but because of what it means in the, in the broader scheme of things, this player who never does anything is suddenly in the finals, right? We're seeing this massive bump set. We're seeing the King finally get crowned, whatever it is. 
not only are you watching it, you're taking part in it. And it's it's just this insane adrenaline rush that, uh, you know, um, that you really don't get elsewhere. Uh, and it's just a lot. It's you want to talk how it stays fresh. It's those moments. Uh, it's those moments that refresh things if you ever get bored. So you've kind of spoken at length at how, how you know, you've got a Ph.D. and a Starcraft um, and a Starcraft is a, is a lot of everything. But outside of that, I mean, I see the 3D printer in the background there. But do you have uh, other hobbies or interests that you get into other games that you play or something completely tangential like music or cooking or cars or something? Yeah, um, you talk about the 3D printer back there. That's actually my girlfriend's, uh, not mine. Fair, um, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed, I'd be, you know, engineering degree, just kind of assumed. Yeah. Sorry. Well, <laughs> she's also got her her. Uh, she also got her master's in, in engineering. So you know, oh, nice, nice. Um, you yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm actually really excited. I'm not in, uh, not up in the great north this summer. Um, I'm not living in the middle of nowhere. Um, because I went down to live with her. So I used to play Quidditch at a competitive level. Um, I played on the second best team in the West, uh, at the, the adult club level. And before that I played for Arizona state's community or, uh, college team. And I get to go do that this summer because there's a local team. And I mean, I don't know if they're as good as the team I played on in Arizona, but still, you know, I get to do it. Um, and then, yeah, you, you talk about cooking. Um, I, you know, am I going full, you know, super gourmet? No, uh, quite frankly, I don't have the budget for that. Maybe once I finish my, my stream, uh, set up and, start making maybe moving some stream uh, stream proceeds to that but um uh, i you know I, the way i see it if i can take like 10 extra minutes and make something 10 times better yeah so i enjoy i do that um and uh i like reading uh although finding times to read things that aren't papers is, is always a challenge right. uh, <laughs> or also like motivating myself after i've read like you know a, a paper or two and i'm like oh, let me read something for fun i'm like i just don't want to see words right now right um so yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm playing D&D. I'm excited. I'm finally playing D&D this summer, not as the DM. Uh, Ooh, I've been, like, hey, forever double DM. congratulations. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I've got a, a, my other podcast, uh, Dungeons and Dinners, is all about cooking and D&D. So well, I've got to, I got to ask one. here. <laughs> um, if, uh, if I were to come over and you were going to spend that extra 10 minutes on a dish to really amp mm. it up, what's your, what's your like signature, I'm going to impress somebody with this? cook them up something um i don't know if i have a signature i'm going to impress someone um uh, but i've been making chicken handi recently it's uh Mm -hmm. like a north indian curry um it's base of like uh almost burnt red onions and then uh, you take some tomatoes and you take a bunch of green chilies um but i've been making that a lot recently and uh, i think it's rather tasty um so sure we'll 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 do that um so and uh, and now as a player, what are you playing? What race class combo are you throwing together? I'm actually uh, right now I'm playing a homebrew. I'm very okay. excited about it. So uh, uh, the race I'm playing a tabaxi because it just makes sense with the background. But there is a web serial that I've been reading for a number of years now called The Wandering In. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way they do their witches is actually really cool where um, because a lot of things don't separate witchcraft and magic all that well. But this does where the magic is it's the 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 craft is not necessarily based around oh, just arcane magic but much more around finding something that gives you passion and like generating that in others and sapping a little of that emotion back um so 
I found a homebrew that's based around like spirit something, but I've uh, I've uh, homebrewed all of the flavor text to be like that. So my character is apparently just RPing me at this point. Uh, you know, the, the craft of like the, the craft of like that tiny that that little bit of joy when you learn something you've never learned before. So you know, goes around and like tells little kids, "Hey, did you know wombats uh, poop cubes?" Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, tabaxi with steal it's, it's just a, a little bit of it. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of it. Regain your power that way. <laughs> so, um, is there any other video games that you're interested in at all, or or is StarCraft kind of it when it comes to that space? Um, I, I, uh, when I stopped playing StarCraft, I got into Dota a little bit, mm. and it was nice because in StarCraft, you know, I'm in, I'm Masters, or I'm not ranked at the moment, but. I've been to Masters, I you know, um, and it felt like in Dota, I didn't have that pressure on myself to be good because I was new to it. I didn't know what I was doing. And I had friends that played. So I, I did that for a bit and I got into that for a while. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I watched the tournaments because A, as a commentator, I like hearing how other commentators talk and how they fill time and how they do whatever. And I think that's valuable. Also, production value is great. And, you know, I know enough about the game to really enjoy it. But um with that, I mean, I'll even go watch esports I don't really care about so I can learn about how people talk and how they fill time and how they talk about things. I watch League like that. Um, I'll watch fighting games occasionally because it's just very different uh, production styles. And I feel like, you know, absolutely we can learn from, I, I, I hope I can at least learn from those different things and maybe bring the best of it back to what I do. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you if, if you were. Uh, sorry, Brett. I'm yep. I'm the worst co-host this I was, episode. I'm, I'm I'm gonna I am going to interject. I am going to interject. Please do. Um, yeah. Have you have you watched any commentary of Lethal League Blaze? You said fighting games, so that's one of those. I have not. That, it's really incredibly interesting to watch the commentation on it because the matches are so fast and the action is so split second that to see how they are able to keep up with it is really impressive. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen like Jet Set Radio, but it kind of has that aesthetic back from the Dreamcast hmm. days. Yeah, I never got any of the uh, the you know, the the uh, the MP3 file that you download with the replay, so you can have that radio cast going. Um, that was before my time. I think I was about three, and uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's fair, but uh, certainly before my again dial-up internet. I didn't know esports was a thing until until 2013. So, sure. Um. Well, so yeah, to piggybacking off of your your point about watching other streamers and, and, and other games and that sort of stuff, is there any particular caster, streamer, and maybe even outside of esports and into traditional sports that, that you look up to or that you kind of aspire to, to, to be like? That's an interesting question because I, I don't think I look at any one particular commentator that says I want to be and say I want to be them uh, because really I want to be me. Uh, right. And I want to take the best op uh, the best parts of, say, uh, pigs analytical casting and, you know, Maynard actually being uh, being like the best hype caster that is out there. And uh, actually, you know, sad news uh, today, at least for the Illumina League, Maynard is taking a step back from casting. Um, but and I understand that I'm if I could be perfect, you know, I, there would be no point. But um so I'm never going to, you know, be reach the heights of all of those three, all those things together. But um, instead of looking at, wow, I aspire to be this person. I look at, I aspire to be as good at this as this person at this thing. So 
again, Pig's uh, Pig's analysis, that deep, deep understanding of the game. Uh, Maynard's ability to turn literally any um, any any uh, state in the game as this just this groundbreaking feat, and it he, he doesn't lose himself in it, uh, which is really hard, by the way. Of like you're like the game's ending, and then the game doesn't end for five more minutes, and you're like, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that, or I should have left myself room to talk about the game after I said the game's gonna end. Um, because it gets really awkward when the like the game's ending three times in the same game, it doesn't really work out, or. Uh, you know, and then on the flip side, there's this ability to fill, which is probably one of the hardest points, uh, especially when you're just sitting there solo. So, um, you know, watching someone like uh, Pig or Steadfast or Neuro or, um, you know, anyone that just sits there and presents esports content by themselves for hours. Um, I mean, there, there's a whole list of people that do that, but absolutely. I, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know that I can watch any esports uh, any sort of esports presentation whether it's you know uh rotterdam or you know it, steadfast or someone just covering stuff on their own for you know an open cup or to the highest levels of dreamhack and esl uh, i don't think i can't look at that anymore without uh not judging it's maybe not the right word because i'm not looking at it negatively but i'm looking at like okay how are they doing this uh i got that little thing in the back of my head just being very just trying to download as much as i can about it um and also, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, their mics aren't set up properly, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't, you can't unhear it. It's like learning what, um, like learning what kerning is, right? And then you, you just see the, the gaps between the letters all over the place. You're like, I wish I hadn't learned that. That's good. So um, one of the things you kind of talk about, you know, with a game ending three times, I'm also really stuck on the kerning thing because that bothers the crap out of me. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, in in something like casting, this has come up for me in podcasting and uh, something that kind of it's a lot easier. And for some reason, maybe we don't I don't notice it in normal social interactions. But like when the camera's on, the mic's on, things like that are, are moving. Uh, a small mistake can shake my confidence a lot more quickly. And, and I become kind of hyper aware of it. If if that happens to you. What uh, t kind of techniques or tactics do you have to get yourself back into the headspace to re-engage and, and just kind of drive through those moments? Well, luckily for me, I'm really good at forgetting things. Ah. Um, so I don't even know what I just said. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what that actually isn't what gets me. Um, I can get more caught up in I can get more caught in my words than I it's it's some sort of you know topical mistake where I miss call something like okay what you know what I made a mistake whatever we're gonna go from we're gonna go from there whatever but I can get like caught up in my own words and especially if I'm not really focused on it and then you're just kind of stuck as this stuttering mess until you're you, you get out of it and you're fine um and part of that is of course maybe trying to talk too fast uh it certainly is easy especially when like there are big engagements happenings or uh, big engagements happening or like a lot of stuff is happening at once and you're trying to talk about it all uh, that's very easy to get in stuck there um but one thing that actually really helps me and it's not any sort of headspace thing but uh, i actually when i got my microphone and i was able to hear myself as i talk that did such a good job of keeping me focused because i find that i don't make those mistakes because i you know some sort of uh biological thing like i you know my tongue doesn't do what it needs to do or um because i have anything like that but more because i lose focus uh, i'm looking at everything instead of the thing that's happening right in front of me or i 
I don't know, get a notification. And then I'm, because I'm not focused on the words that I'm saying, they start to get a little jumbled or out of place. And having, being able to hear my own feedback uh, in real time actually really helps with that because I, I know what I'm saying. And if I make a mistake, I can fix it immediately. And I don't have that. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is because, you know, sometimes I'll cast with like even my headphones off and it doesn't do the same thing. But having my voice piped into my ears really keeps me present and then allows me to not get stuck in the stuck in the stuck in the thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was muted. I'm not very smart. Um, <laughs> the, the listeners are used to that, though. Um a couple of, of directions I want to go from, from what you were just talking about. So I, I guess I'll start with, you know, you were just talking about how you kind of can catch yourself midstream and, and keep in a good headspace. How do you deal though with <laughs> what I'll just broadly call the internet, which is uh, sometimes really, really supportive and awesome. And honestly, the Starcraft community, especially for Brett and I has been really encouraging and great. Um, so, so no complaints there, but how do you deal with, the negative comments and people picking at your stream or picking at your commentating, or do you not even pay attention to it? I actually pay a lot of attention to it and I enjoy it. And I know that's weird, but so when I move, when I was doing stuff with Exxon, uh, primarily I was doing the Exxon cup now, as, assumedly eventually the size storm cup. Mm -hmm. And, um, I still try to do it on occasion, but Wednesdays are just really hard apparently. Um, and I, you, I did that and didn't go to broader distribution. I only got the audience that I got and go whatever. Uh, but then I moved to Alpha X and they're really trying to build their YouTube platform. So I'm actually, I, I got to do another one this evening uh, where I am producing content that I don't cast, that I don't go live with myself. Uh, it, honestly, it's not worth it for the viewer metrics because the games have already happened, uh, but it goes to YouTube and that's a totally, that's a totally different uh, marketplace. They have, you know, I think 10,000 subscribers or something like that, which, you know, it's not a ton, but it's certainly more than I have. And it's enough that, you know, you get a couple thousand views on every video. And for the first time in a while, I was getting feedback that was not biased towards trying to make me feel good. Right? Some, you know, someone might say, hey, Brett, you're really great. But maybe if you want to talk like an inch away from your microphone more, Maybe that's fine. And I'm not saying you need to do that, by the way, but for the sake of, uh, for the sake of example here. And then you got the, you know, the anonymous internet saying, hey, this guy sucks. He talks too fast. I'm like, oh, great. That unfiltered, that unfiltered response. I'm like, yeah, maybe I wish you didn't tell me I sucked. But I got a really thick skin. Um, you know, I was bullied all through middle school, so I just kind of learned to deal with it. <laughs> and um, so I appreciate that feedback, even if it is attempting to be mean-spirited. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, you're telling me something that I maybe I didn't notice. And granted, some of it's dumb. Um, they they pull some of my VODs from ESL and someone's like, oh, can we not have chat on screen? And I'm like, well, it's a stream VOD. What you gonna do? So yeah, there's always feedback that's not, that's just not useful. But because of the audience, I get more feedback that I can actually use to improve my craft uh, without the, outside of the lens of, someone trying to like cushion the blow or, you know, think maybe I'm going to be offended. Um, and that even happens with the life stuff too. You know, I had, uh, I think I had more people commenting on how I looked than any sort of my, uh, my broadcasting ability when I did the B stream, I was, I was told I was Frodo the entire time. <laughs> uh, I'm like, Oh great. You know, I'm apparently I'm taking the, uh, the Zerglings to Isengard. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> you do kind <laughs> of look like Elijah Wood. Like there is a little, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't call you Frodo, but 
there is a little Elijah Wood there. I could see that. Um, well, that's really interesting. So I, I, I don't know if I've ever any, heard anyone describe it like that, but I mean, basically your point about it being an unfiltered and candid feedback, even if it's not positive, um, is more useful maybe than some middling half-assed feedback <laughs> that people might give if they know you or, or, you know, have to see you tomorrow or something. Yeah. So th the other, the other place I was going to go with what you were talking about though, is, you know, you were talking about how hard it is to, to present esports contents for hours on end by yourself. Um, do you, have you, how often have you worked with other people, I guess? I know you mentioned you've co-streamed with like steadfast before, do you prefer that working with a partner or do you prefer to work by yourself when, when casting? That's actually a really interesting question. I think the answer is yes, which is, well, I'll get into that. So I think for the, certainly for the highest levels, or if I'm trying, if I'm doing an eight hour broadcast and it is, you know, going into a bunch of people, um, absolutely. I think whether it doesn't matter whether I prefer it or I don't prefer it as my individual production quality, uh, it is the final product is much better if you have a co-caster uh, for a couple of a, it's a different opinion. Uh, someone that you can talk to. So it means the dead time is no longer a dead time. It's a lot. It's so much easier to fill if you have someone you can bounce off of versus you're trying to fill by yourself on a two minute delay and try to react to what other people are saying in chat. Just it, it's not great. Um, but on the flip side, I have come up primarily as a solo broadcaster. Um, you know, that's that's how anyone comes up. And in doing so, you, we get really used to a certain pattern of speech, a certain way of talking about things. That means that it's kind of hard to get out of our own way when there is someone joining us. Um, and actually, you know, occasionally I get this feedback. Someone's like, hey, can you just, uh, Philip, can you just stop talking? Like in, in a nice way, but I want to get my words in too. I, I value your opinion, but I think I have my own. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Let me pull back a little bit because if I've done, you know, solo cast for like the last three weeks and i haven't talked to another person while doing it uh, i know exactly what i'm doing at every point in the game i have my understanding of what i need to be talking and when moments are hype and whatever how i need to swap between uh analytics and play-by-play -play and everything like that and then slotting someone else in gets difficult not because they're bad but because i don't have the practice so the answer is yes i enjoy doing both i think uh maybe i enjoy working with someone else a little bit more because then i'm just hanging out, talking with a friend about StarCraft, which is great. Uh, but it's, it's more difficult. And I've actually made a market decision or made a market attempt to work with co-casters as much as possible this year just so I can have the practice. Uh, because otherwise, you know, you if I ever get the opportunity to, you know, maybe get more B-Stream, go on A-Stream in the far-off future, which that would be amazing, but who knows? I'm, I'm not even thinking about that at this point. I need to make sure I have the practice to work with someone else because it's it's not just a, just as easy as say, oh yeah, you two are going to go together, have fun, it'll be fine. It really isn't. So I guess another question piggybacking off this a bit is, um, do you enjoy streaming, like the live stream more or like the YouTube VOD thing that you're doing now, like this evening that you were talking about? Or is it really that streaming is kind of where the action is at because that's you know live events are obviously the, the biggest draw more than than vods i yeah yes in that the vods are cool i, I like that for the feedback I, yeah i'm just gonna keep answering yes to your to your three-part questions it's gonna be fine <laughs> uh 
I, um, I'm a terrible interviewer. <laughs> well, no, it's fine. But you know, I'm a terrible question. I'm just giving you nondescript answers. It's okay. Um, so I like YouTubes for the feedback I get. I, I YouTubes. I like YouTube vods for the feedback I get. I uploads on the YouTubes, guys. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I love the YouTubes. And, uh, but really, that I, I upload to YouTube primarily for the algorithm because there's no growth metric on Twitch. I, there, it, you're not discoverable. It's really hard to grow on Twitch. So you upload to YouTube, you try to produce content there, and then maybe drive people to your live stream. Um, but, and I, I've talked about this within my own stream. I enjoy casting for two reasons. A, I love StarCraft. I love being part of the action rather than, you know, being on the sidelines. Um, and it just gives me an opportunity to really do that a lot more. But also, I'm extremely extroverted and I love people. So the fact that I can build a community and meet people from all around the world and uh, the same logic, by the way, lost me a scholarship when I was going to high school because I talked about the power of the internet to connect people and it was a bunch of jock, or a bunch of athletes that didn't know care about the internet uh, on the interview. And they're like, what is this nerd doing? You know, we're going to give it to someone else, which, uh, and by the way, not to say that there's this big nerd, nerd jock dichotomy, but they didn't, these people in the room, they didn't care about the internet, video games, anything like that. They're like, ah, he's just playing video games. He's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but to go back to that question, I really like the, this opportunity to uh, make connections with people, to meet people, to do all that. I, um, a funny story, right? So like one of the first viewers I had show up consistently on my streams back when I was just trying to find whatever content I could on like OSC $5 tournaments. Um, it's what anyone that's trying to break into the scene does. Um, this person shows up and I start talking I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a PhD student, whatever. And it turns out that A, um, they used to go to a school, to a university. They're also, they were also a PhD student who was studying robotics who used to go to the university in my ho in the state I'm I'm from, and now they're you know across the country in California. But um, they're you know I, I meet this person who we share papers like we're we're looking at from PhD side of things, and also hey, did you see this game? It was incredible, and that experience, which is by the way, I mean that's that's the exception, not the rule necessarily. But I'm like, okay, what are the odds I find someone in my field who just happens to find my stream? And it's now just a regular, right? That's that's really cool. And that's not something I get the opportunity to experience really on a daily basis. Certainly not while COVID's happening or hopefully trailing off, but while everything is virtual. No, that's super amazing. The The smallness the world can get sometimes is always something that kind of impresses me. But uh, uh, one, yeah. <laughs> I ran one into thing... my seventh grade history okay. teacher on a train platform in Cambridge, England. Um, <laughs> because I was late to the train and he was early. We're, you know, we're both from Virginia. Uh, well, I guess he, he used to be from uh, London, but he, he lived there for like 30, in Virginia for like 30 years. And I run in, onto him on a train platform in England because I was late and he, I was early and he was late. Like, that's wild. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of, one of the things that the tagline of our show is why gaming matters. And uh, we definitely like to explore that with all of our guests. So, if uh, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons or Starcraft or uh, Dota or League of Legends or all of the above, uh, in your own words, can you tell us a little bit of why you think gaming matters to you? Uh, I'm going to go back to what I was saying in the, the previous little whatever I was saying. I value it. Yes, games are fun. Yes, they allow you to explore different worlds and expand your creativity and, um, you know, exercise your mind and do all these things that people use. But I like to talk about games as a way to at least multiplayer games 
is a way to form connections. I've met some really cool people, some really good friends, because I play StarCraft, because I play Dota, uh, because I play D&D in person, right? We don't even have to talk about video games that I, there's no way I would have met otherwise. Steadfast, right? You, I know you had him on. I got a couple friends from Arizona who I met because, you know, I was playing on US West, playing Dota. Um, I, you know, I met a group of people now that I'm, I'm hanging out with because I'm playing D&D in person, finally, because we're all vaccinated. And those, none, I would not have met any of those group of people otherwise. I, you know, I've met people from, uh, from Ireland, the, you know, owner of Genesis Gaming and South America and South Africa and just everywhere. And I really value that. So gaming matters to me, not because, well, A, because of the craft of it and it's fun and whatever, but really it matters to me because of the people I meet and the connections I can forge. Yeah, that's an awesome answer. And it's honestly, it's fascinating to me how many times, um, people give a version of that answer. And I, I don't mean that as a negative at all. I just mean, it, it's really why we started the show and, and why that that's the the tagline of the show, if you will, of why gaming matters, because um, in a lot of spaces, I mean, similar to the story you were sharing about the, the jocks who excluded you or whatever, right? And they're like, oh, just some gaming nerd. And it's like, that sentiment does exist still. Uh, and I know a lot of people who think of gaming as like a lower <laughs> form of, of a way to pass your time than like television. And it's like, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane because a, just the experience of gaming in and of itself, even if it's a single player game, I think is much more robust than, than something like television. Um, and then, yeah, once you in involve the internet over and over, people like yourself talk about the, the connections and bonds that they form through it. Uh, and I just think that's, I think it's super powerful. And I think it's super awesome to hear so many people and so many perspectives share that sentiment. So um, so thank you for that. Well, well Bailmolf, we have absolutely had a pleasure chatting with you this evening. We'll have links in our show notes to your, your Twitch. Uh, we'll have it to, to Alpha X uh, YouTube. Anywhere else that you would like people to to connect with you? Well, I got my own YouTube um, okay. that I'm just like occasionally putting stuff on. I, I actually need to upload VODs from Monday uh, that I'm just, I'm really just putting, I'm not putting up fresh content. I'm just putting up the stuff that I've done before. Um, but I guess the big thing is, uh, I have a Twitter at Bailmolf underscore SC2, and I am live on so many different platforms. Uh, you know, CEA when it's live, different Alpha X platforms, my Twitch, Trovo, whatever it is. Um, I but I use the Twitter as a way, Twitter or my Discord as a way to like actually follow what I'm doing because it's everywhere. So uh, follow me on Twitter, join my Discord, and um, the Discord's of uh, uh, A on my Twitter and B underneath my my Twitch page, and um, Come hang out with me. I like meeting new people. I think I've said that like five times now. So, hang <laughs> awesome. me. I will. All, I will almost always respond. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, is there anything else that you want? To, any last final tidbits of wisdom that you would like to share with the audience before we uh, head on out? Uh. Well, I thank you for thinking I'm wise. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, be good to each other. Have a good time. And uh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really, I really enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you. Man. It's been a pleasure. So that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a cup of coffee at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash P-U-Y-S-Pod, or just tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All the links and our social media accounts are available down in the show notes, and if you want to hear more from either of us on topics outside of gaming, Walker's podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests, and my podcast, Dungeons & Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. 